Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. AM 1060. It's Friday. It's October 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. That's right. It's a Friday, so that means Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We'll certainly be going through the college and NFL slate of action. A $100 gift certificate is up for grabs for you. As a reminder of what it is that we do, when you are the winner of the $100 gift certificate today, make sure you come with your weekend bet. We put $5 on it, accumulate our winnings, and have money for charity at season's end. We're looking to get back on a winning streak with the uh winner selection here for the weekend it can be from college it can be from the nfl we'll also be joined by brian blewis of pro football network back with us at 11:15 today to discuss nfl props and once again von hansen's meats and spirits the weekend specials for you certified angus beef choice strip steak at 24.99 a pound prime pork butt roast at 3.99 a pound Fresh, natural, white chickens at $1.99 a pound. Pay them a visit over at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. We will get into Game 3 with the Diamondbacks picking up a win over the Phillies yesterday here momentarily. But first, let's set the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is in regards to the Cardinals on the road facing the Seahawks. Who do you have Sunday in Seattle? The masses are now on the Cardinals side of things at Cardinals plus seven and a half at 54% of the vote. Seahawks minus seven and a half at 46%. Yeah, as I mentioned during the sports zone in the intro, this number has been going crazy during the week. It was nine uh, as recently as Wednesday at uh, many, many sports books worldwide. And it went to seven and a half mysteriously, still mysteriously to me yesterday afternoon. Kind of a weird, you know, I know there's some you know, computer groups that get involved in their action on Thursdays. And I, maybe that was it. But I couldn't, I, I spent a considerable amount of time yesterday afternoon during all the baseball festivities trying to see if there was an injury that dictated these line, this line change. But I couldn't find anything. And talking to Greg in the last hour, Greg Bell from the Coma News Tribune, couldn't really find out anything there that we didn't already know. So I have no idea what's going on unless somebody actually thinks that Kyler Murray is going to play this week. And I think that that is uh, not happening. So uh, anyway, so there's the kind of the historical, you know, historical is the wrong word here, but just kind of the, that number bouncing around was a little, a little mind boggling to me. Easy for me to try to assess or say uh, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, um, I mean, I think all indicators here are that uh, Josh Dobbs is getting the start. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, head coach Jonathan Gannon pretty much said that. Like, he's our starter, and he's and I think he emphatically said, and he's going to play well, uh, was like a direct quote from him at some yeah. point this week. So, uh, okay. Well, somebody might want to re- replay that next week if he doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that Seahawks defense is good. That's the one thing I think we did establish in the last hour with Greg. I think we're pretty confused about their offense, but their defense has been really good. Absolutely. Uh, We'll get into a little bit more about this as we answer the question around 1130 today. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Do the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies a second straight day? Yes, leading the way here at 66.7% of the vote. No trailing at 33.3%. We'll answer this around 1130 as well. So cast your vote over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. And that leads us right into discussing yesterday's game three action here what a fun game that was i was here in the office and uh i didn't i didn't leave to go home until the game was over i was on the the edge of my seat there watching things unfold and what a performance there from brandon fought what a moment for Cattell Marte, uh who's absolutely been a fire this game this series and it's just great to see Cattell Marte have this moment this type of success uh being you know what he has been to this organization and i'm sure what has also been plenty of opportunities for this front office to uh consider some trades and he's still here with this club having that type of impact yesterday. I don't know if they've ever considered the trade because they've signed him to two contracts, <laughs> so uh, which I wasn't in favor of either. <laughs> so another good Bob, Bob moment there uh, going along with all the uh, Jacksonville and Tennessee stuff from last night that I talked about earlier. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't uh, quite understand, the, the, especially the second contract, but uh, whatever. He's been their best player. Uh, since the All-Star break. I mean, they've had some guys that have been uneven, uh, either at the plate or in the field, and, uh, you know, he has definitely come through. I think the you know, fought was great, and uh, that's the first time all year I've really, like, bought in on Brandon Fought. now. I'm in. Uh, you know, he got swing and miss on a consistent basis that I've been hoping to see literally seemingly every start. Some of the times he's been successful, even uh, even successful, including the playoffs this year. Uh, I think he was somewhat fortunate, but it was not a consistent uh, inning by inning performance, inning to inning performance, and uh, we certainly saw that from start to finish yesterday. So that's great. And if this actually was his last start for this season, if the Diamondbacks don't, you know, continue to surprise people. And win this series if they're done. Uh, this is, I think, a really good springboard for him to next year. Usually, I don't believe in that stuff at all, but I think that this is a the way that he's pitched in the postseason, especially his last two starts as they beat the Dodgers and then the dominating performance yesterday. And I usually try to. There's a few words I try to avoid: great and dominating, or two of them, unless I really mean them. He was dominant yesterday against a really good lineup. The one other quick thing I got to mention here because I'm never for, I'm going to forget it unless uh, you know if something comes up then I have a you know, recollection that I'm not expecting. Kevin Long is the Phillies hitting coach, and they interview him. I, I think it's last all three games they've interviewed him during the game as opposed to interviewing the manager. I think they actually interviewed both of them one game. Not together, but whatever. But Kevin Long is he went to Thunderbird High School in the University of Arizona. And when he went to Thunderbird High School, he was a really good player, by the way. 
obviously college played college and pro college and uh, high school and college I've seen him play and he actually got drafted I can't remember what happened in his pro career but uh, he was a very feisty high school player I covered Prescott High School sports in those days and they had a fierce rivalry and he was a feisty enough player that there was a time that I actually thought he might get in a fight with the Prescott High School coach, who was also a feisty man, you know, coach at that time, uh, but he he was he he could really hit. His team was Thunderbird High School. His teammates weren't as nearly as good as he was, but anyway, every time I, he's become a tremendous hitting coach, whether it was with Washington, the Yankees, the Phillies. Now he is really good at what he does. Why isn't he a manager? Uh, you know, I don't know if he's interviewed for a job. There's plenty of guys that are less qualified than he is that have got managerial spots in Major League Baseball. Uh, back to Fott there. He was throwing an assortment of pitches, really confusing the Phillies hitters, uh, did exactly what the Diamondbacks needed, zeros on the board when he was done uh, with his innings. And to that point with Kevin Young being interviewed, you know, he did mention that they have never seen Brandon Fott in person all they have ever seen is what they have on video of brandon fought and his stuff was just electric it was dancing all over the place and i think that those are some of the the words that even ron darling was using who i think knows a lot about pitching um however he faced just 18 batters once it came around for kyle schwarber a third time he was pulled Fans were unhappy about it. There was lots of booing and cheering because they were very, uh, you know, appreciative of his efforts. So standing ovation for him. But Lavello said post game, yeah, I was booing myself as I walked out to the mound. I'm sure I was the most unpopular guy in the city of Phoenix in the downtown area and maybe the entire state of Arizona. Kind of said it with a bit of a chuckle. But I want everybody to know that. Try to think along with me that we have a strategy for everything that's done. Everything that's been done has been well talked about and it's not just analytics i know how quickly playoff baseball can change and i felt like brandon kept the game under control and it was time to turn it over so yes i am prepared to get booed i am prepared to get second guessed it's my job i sit in this seat and that happens and i don't mind it we won a baseball game and that's all i care about he also used the term we several times and that was an organizational decision before the game that Fott was not going to face that lineup three times, three times through. And uh, the fact that uh, Schwarber hit a 900-foot foul ball uh, in the previous at-bat would have been obviously a home run if it were fair. I don't even think that really played a role because no matter what, he wasn't going to face those guys a third time through the lineup. Andrew Solfank came on in relief. He actually ended up walking Schwarber, but then got Turner to ground out to end the sixth there. Uh, a walk. And then he, walked, then he walked Harper. The two left-handers he faced, he walked him, and then he got a rocket, had a rocket hit off of him, and that bailed him out. Absolutely. Uh, but then he was pulled for Ryan Thompson. Ryan Thompson comes in. That's where chaos ensues. And I thought it was interesting that they mentioned this on the broadcast, and it was it was true. The wild pitch was almost so wild that it almost helped Moreno because it bounced yeah. back so much to him that if Ryan Thompson was just a little bit more in a position, you could have maybe had a play at the plate for Harper because uh, normally you don't have plays like that uh, in a wild pitch scenario. But it ended up being one nothing out of the top of the seventh and then yeah, this time, is time out time out of that play a little bit too because i don't think harper got enough credit for that because he was aggressive you got to be you know sneaking down the line and being you know 
basically anticipating a possible wild pitch to be able to score in that situation. I thought that was a tremendous base running play by Harper. Uh but then kudos here to the Diamondbacks because they get the very next opportunity to come out, get some hitting started, and answer in that situation. Things got started with Tommy Pham. Great decision there to pinch run for him, uh, bringing in Alec Thomas and then Gurriel doubles to end up bringing Thomas home, making it 1-1 going into the eighth. No doubt. Now that the you know, Lavello, not just uh, you know Thomas pinch running because you know obviously Fam's not going to score in that play down the left field line, and also the fact that yeah Paven Smith came into the game. I will say though, if the Diamondbacks had lost this game, I would be talking a whole lot about the two horrendous base running decisions they made yesterday. Guriel not breaking for the plate mm-hmm. uh, when it became a four three four five four three double play. The reason you break break the plate, this is like elementary baseball. I mean, like you know, little league, high school baseball, whatever. You try to prevent them from trying to turn the five four three double play by at least challenging and you know drawing a throw to the plate and slowing down the process of a double play possibility. And then I don't know what the hell Pavin Smith was doing in the ninth inning. They're lucky that they you know didn't they overcame this. And when Guriel did run with the pitch, and but Paven Smith didn't go to third base. I mean, those are just two of the dumbest base running decisions ever, and they got away with them. Yeah, definitely there in the ninth uh, was a little head-scratching because if you get yourself to third, you score and walk it off just on a sack fly. But now it changed everything by still being at second, but a great then uh, at bat by Perdomo to draw the walk, which then gave the opportunity there for Marte. And we've said this about Perdomo several times in the postseason and really during the regular season, too. We didn't emphasize it more in the regular season because it was the regular season. But, I mean, he's done a really good job in that nine hole of getting on base via walk. He's obviously hit some home, a couple of home runs, too. But, you know, the fact that he's uh, able to, you know, get the you know, turn around, turn the lineup around to the number one hitter, whether it's usually Carroll or Marte yesterday. That has been a really big key to the Diamondbacks' success here late in the season. All in all, the pitchers held this dynamic Phillies offense to just three hits and three walks uh, and resulted in a 2-1 to victory here for the Diamondbacks. So the series is now sitting at 2-1 to Phillies with Christopher Sanchez going up against Joe Mantiply. That means it's going to be a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if one of the first three hitters gets on base, you know, Schwarber, and obviously Harper hitting, I assume, still one and three at this point. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if Mantiply got pulled by the time. I don't know if Bohm's still going to be hitting fourth or not. He's six for 30-something in the postseason now. After yesterday, he's had some awful looking at bats, too. But uh, if there's a right-handed hitter hitting fourth, I wouldn't be shocked if Mantiply is not in the game at that point. Uh, I know you said this earlier in the sports zone that you were not surprised Christopher Sanchez is getting the start over no. Taiwan Walker. Is that, uh, you know, with some of the, the lefty issues? I think that's entirely it. I think when, uh, you know, the, the field, Philadelphia media seemed to be pretty surprised about that. You know, Sanchez, of course, used to be among many. Excuse me, Walker used to be with uh, the Diamondbacks among many teams he's been with. But, uh 
Uh, the Philadelphia media seemed surprised when, uh, you know, basically you know, Thompson announced at the press conference in the post game yesterday that Sanchez was going to be the guy. I wasn't surprised at all because if you're if you're the opponent team here, you rather face the Diamondbacks if they're going to continue with this right-handed lineup than what they would offer if they had the lefties in there. So that game gets underway tonight, 5.07 p.m. on TBS. I imagine we'll try to squeak in a little ALCS conversation uh, with the Astros getting the victory. And that series against the Rangers is all tied up 2-2 with uh, Game 5 set for this afternoon. We'll try to squeak in a little bit of that later on. But we turn our attention to the Friday spread brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We'll get things started with college football We talked a little bit about this game earlier in the week, but it's worth getting things started. Penn State, Ohio State kicks off our morning uh, tomorrow as well. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday spread. Pay them a visit, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. And that $100 gift certificate is available for you a little bit later on in today's Extra Point. Back after this. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Certified Angus Beef Choice Strip Steak at $24.99 a pound. Prime Bork pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound and fresh natural white chickens at $1.99 a pound. Those are the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits weekend specials. Pay them a visit to 390 North Alma School in Chandler, vonhansensmeats.net. Welcome back. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get into Friday spread. College football games for the weekend ahead. And we'll start with Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, the number from the FanDuel Sportsbook app, Penn State plus five and a half, Ohio State minus five and a half, over under sitting at 45 and a half. James Franklin, uh, he is one and eight against Ohio State. Now, this is also kind of interesting when you think about uh, what everyone talks about with Drew Alar and what his capabilities are at the quarterback position. It seems like Penn State, though, has been kind of conservative on offense so far. In Drew Aller's first three games, he threw two passes or more uh, 20 yards downfield. He completed both of them. Since then, he's just one for six, but that also means that they have only had six passes downfield more than 20 yards. Penn State's offense, just 3.5% of their plays end up going for 20-plus more yards. That ranks 132nd. However, they can rack up the points. Penn State's defense is second in points allowed per drive, first in success rate allowed, and third in three and outs. Flip this over to Ohio State side of things. What's the status of Ohio State cornerback Denzel Burke? How much does that impact this defense that is allowing... Probably not going to play. Probably not going to play. The Buckeyes defense has yet to allow more than 17 points. Offensively, what's the status of Travion Henderson? How about Emeka Abuka? Okay, Henderson looks like he's got a chance. Uh, Abuka is not looking good. But the good news is at least Ohio State uh, has in the past for two, three years now, so I assume this is not going to change on Saturday. 
90 minutes or so before the game, they tell you who's playing and not playing uh, in a particular game. If anybody's you know on the questionable side of things, they let you know. So we'll have an idea, 8.30, excuse me, 7.30 tomorrow or so. Well, we've got to figure out the time here. 9 o'clock's the start, right? Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. 9 o'clock. The other thing in this game is there's going to be almost for sure bad weather. Uh, there's rain forecast. I saw a high wind warning for tomorrow in Columbus. I'm not exactly sure what time that is. The point spread in some Las Vegas casinos within the last half hour has gone down to 44. Uh, in this game, I'm in a pool where the total is 46 and a half. I'm definitely interested in the under on that. Uh, between these two defenses and the fact that, uh, you know, I don't really trust the offenses because I'm not sure if Penn State's any good because they haven't played anybody and they've not been forced to throw the ball down the field. To me, what's more alarming is that this offensive line, which has all these experienced players, they had the four of their five starters back. They have a left tackle who might be the first left tackle choice chosen in the NFL draft. Uh, and they can't they, – they, they've got these two stud running backs. Their longest run this year has been 19 yards. Uh, so that, to me, is far more alarming than Aller not throwing the ball down the field because he hasn't had to because they played nobody. He has 12 touchdowns and no picks for the season, by the way. Ohio State can't block. Their offensive tackles are literally the worst they've been since the late 80s when you know John Cooper was taking over a program that was lacking talent for because Earl Bruce did a really bad job recruiting towards the end of his tenure in Ohio State. Uh, so I think that this has a chance to be a low-scoring game. I would be shocked if it weren't a low-scoring game. Shock's one of those words I don't use unless I mean it. Also, the fact I, I am a little concerned about betting in the under in this game because I think there's a chance that one of these defenses, if not both, score a touchdown. Uh, Tennessee and Alabama here. Tennessee plus eight and a half. Alabama minus eight and a half. Over under sitting at forty seven and a half. Uh, last year's contest was that fifty two forty nine Tennessee win. I don't know that we're going to get that this year. Uh, Tennessee's defense ranks twelfth in points allowed per drive. Alabama's defense ranks fifteenth. Both teams utilize the run and an effective defense. Is the quarterback advantage here with Jalen Milrow? Milrow has completed 28 passes over 20-plus yards this season. Uh, as for Joe Milton, he's only completed 11 of those such passes. Home field obviously has to mean something here for the Crimson Tide. And uh, despite the rocky start, they still have things to play for here in the SEC and some longer-term national implications as well absolutely absolutely they went out they're going to be in uh i can't imagine they would not take the sec champion with one loss against texas that would be it uh the tennessee has lost the last nine trips to tuscaloosa you mentioned last year that was the first time that nick saban had ever lost ever as the ten as the alabama coach against tennessee he was 15 and zero before last season unfortunately i mean this game has been the Third Saturday in October forever, and it looks like that that might end starting next season with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas in the league. That should not happen. They, these teams should play every year, but it looks like it may not happen, so we'll see. This is another game I think could be very low scoring. Uh, Milton's been terrible. Uh, in fact, he threw for roughly 100 yards passing last week. Josh Heupel doesn't trust him. And Tennessee's gone from this shootout offensive team to a run-and-play defense approach this year because he does not trust his quarterback. 
WSU in Oregon, WSU plus 19 and a half, Oregon minus 19 and a half, over under sitting at 61 and a half. Suddenly, WSU doesn't look like the team they did early in the year. Can they find their offensive momentum? It's been just 23 points scored in the last two weeks for the Cougars. Oregon is, of course, coming off of their heartbreaking loss to UW last week, but they still have a stout defense, and Bo Nix is still playing really well. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, hopefully he can end this Bonex road and home thing again. I mean, I don't, this keeps coming up, and I don't understand why. Uh, he sucked when he was on the road when he was basically at Auburn because he was horribly coached at Auburn, and he had some very good road games. Not every game was great on the road last year, but he had some good road games last year when he was at Oregon. He had a really good road game last week at Washington, so hopefully we can end that nonsense. Uh, they're still averaging uh, 600 yards per game. Uh, you know, Washington State, I think uh, – I can't say that they played a fraudulent schedule because they beat a couple decent teams, not good teams, but they beat a couple decent teams early in the season. Uh, they were horribly coached when they lost the game at UCLA two weeks ago. I have no explanation as to why you score on the first drive of the game against the U of A and then allow the next 44 points. That was at home last week in Pullman. I am just bringing up this ga- this game here because I think I saw this statistic and I can't believe that this would actually be true. But Minnesota plus three and a half, Iowa minus three and a half, over under sitting at 30 and a half. Minnesota scored just 10 points last week against Michigan. Despite Iowa's continued offensive challenges, they do have a good defense here. So can Minnesota move the ball? If this game does in fact kick off though with a point total of 30 and a half, it would be the lowest total in college football history history since it began being tracked back in 1995 that's the part that i'm just like wow we got two really bad quarterbacks in this game and this could be awful weather apparently really bad weather strong winds for sure apparently and uh maybe rain uh so good luck and if you watch this game you got to be out of your mind you you should this should be if you watch this game i have no idea why you would be interested quite frankly yeah, last week Iowa routed Minnesota, Wisconsin, fifteen to six, and <laughs> routed them is the correct word. They were they weren't going to lose. I mean, it was fifteen to six in Wisconsin, especially after Mordecai, their starting quarterback, got hurt, and apparently he's out for a really long time. Unfortunately, there was zero chance that Wisconsin was going to do anything in that game. Uh, South Carolina and Missouri here. South Carolina plus seven and a half. Missouri minus seven and a half. Over under sitting at 58 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. What has happened to South Carolina and their defense? Giving up 41 points to Tennessee, 41 points to Florida. To make matters worse here, after squandering a 10-point fourth quarter lead, head coach Shane Beamer kicked a Gatorade cooler and broke a bone in his right foot. South Carolina is also struggling to run the football. They have just five. 587 yards on the ground as a team. Missouri football lost to LSU a couple of weeks ago, but bounced back against Kentucky. So are we believers in Missouri? I have no idea. I'm the wrong guy to ask. I was all over Kentucky last week, and Kentucky had a 17-0 lead in that game, and they gave up a fake punt for a touchdown on a pass. Uh, And that game completely flipped, and I was totally wrong on that game. Uh, South Carolina defense, I don't think they've had a good defense since Lou Holtz was there, quite frankly, and that was 15 years ago, roughly. So, um, uh, And Spencer Rattler has been good. He just gets the crap beat out of him every game. He is one tough dude because their offensive line is bad. 
Uh, then you have Texas and Houston. Texas minus 22.5, Houston plus 22.5, over-under sitting at 60.5. Houston has played three of their six games, decided by three points or fewer so far this season. Texas's offense, though, you know, if they want to take this very seriously, end it quickly, they should be able to roll. Houston's defense ranks 112th in points allowed per drive. Yeah, I have no interest in this game other uh, than the fact that uh, they're playing for the first time, and I don't know when's the last when the last time they played. I, they might have been in the southeastern conference, southwestern conference, the southwestern conference. You ever heard of that conference, Kayla? That's many years ago, way back in the day, and that was the conference that every school basically got put on probation except except for Baylor. I'm not joking. They had eight schools. At one time, seven of the eight schools had either been on probation in the last couple of years or were headed for probation. Oklahoma, Texas, and you know, everybody else that broke every rule in college football in those years and didn't care about it. Uh, so Houston cares about this game. Texas doesn't care about this game, but I don't think Houston's any good to do anything about it. Uh, Duke and FSU. Duke plus 14 and a half. Florida State minus 14 and a half over under 49 and a half. You know, injuries in sports always stink for a variety of different reasons. But certainly in cases such as this, we don't get a Duke team with Riley Leonard going up against Florida State. I think that changes things immensely here. Uh, Duke's defense, though, has held quarterbacks Cade Klubnick and Sam Hartman to 58 percent completion percentage, 10.3 yards per completion and uh, force three turnovers of those two quarterbacks as for fsu they'll likely get uh, wide receiver johnny wilson back to go alongside keon coleman and that tandem will be the best wide receiver tandem that duke's face uh duke's defense has had to face so far that's for sure they're really good on defense they have a whole bunch of transfers and portal guys who are experienced college players and they're very good on defense uh we'll see how that goes uh, you know, the fact that, you know, Jordan Travis, he has not thrown an interception at home since 2021. <laughs> so that that's a while. That's a couple seasons. Uh, also, uh, Florida State's really good. What I actually was hoping might happen in this game, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to find out whether Leonard is going to play in this game or not until actually the game starts. Uh, but, you know, what I would really like is he does play and starts in the game. And then the number comes down, and then I'll be on Florida State because I think that they're really good. I think you make a case of Florida State. I'm not saying they're the best team in the nation, but based on who they played so far, I think you make a case that they should be the best number one ranked team in the country, at least right now, just based on who they've played this year. Clemson and Miami. Clemson minus three, Miami plus three over under 48 and a half. Uh, how things could have been so different here if Clemson held on to beat Florida State, if Miami didn't melt down against Georgia Tech. But here we are. Cade Klubnick in this quarterback battle, if you will, is completing 65.2% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, along with nine sacks. Tyler Van Dyke, 70.5% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions, and six sacks. Those six interceptions have killed them, though. I mean, he's a turnover machine. Uh, Van Dyke is was last year. He has been again this year. Mario Cristobal now is nine and nine in his head coaching career at Miami. I mentioned last week that they had defensive line injuries and that really got kind of lost in the shuffle of how they blew the game against Georgia Tech. Well, without those defensive linemen, they allowed 235 yards rushing last week to a North Carolina team that wants to pass the ball. 
Uh, Utah and USC. Utah plus seven, USC minus seven over under sitting at 53 and a half. Can USC bounce back after the loss to Notre Dame? Last year, USC went undefeated against everyone else but Utah. They lost twice to them in, uh, you know, I guess barring the bowl game, I'm throwing that out there. Uh, Utah's defense ranks second in passing success rate allowed. Utah's offense, though, has just been uh, really trying to watch without Cam rising in there. But can Utah bring the physicality, force some turnovers, and make this a game? Uh, sure, I guess. Uh, you know, USC's allowed 40-plus points three straight games for the first time in the school's history. And they've been playing football for a long time. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I want no part of USC, but, uh, you know, Utah, the daily or the weekly thing, you know, will Cam Rising play? Will their tight end play? Will their best defensive player play? We don't know. We never know. This has been the biggest espionage, lying festival of a coach I've seen in many years. And uh, the deception of Kyle Whittingham. Uh, you know, he was, you know, Cam Rising, they said it. When was the media day for the Pac-12? That was like in August, right? Like August 10th or was it before that? It was I think it was, might have been in July. Started. So he said then that Cam Rising might be back for the first game. And he's, here we are on October the 20th, and he's yet to play a game. Uh, Barnes was back at quarterback last week. And uh, continue, bet at your own risk if you're going to bet on a Utah game. And don't think that's going to change, maybe ever. All I do remember about Pac-12 Media Day is that it literally was one day, whereas other conferences had engulfed like a whole week. And it was eight hours on a Friday. Yeah. I mean, I remember starting to watch this thing before the sports zone started. And I remember watching it until like 4.30 in the afternoon. They took like an hour lunch break, too. I mean, give me a break. U of A football, they're on a bye this week. ASU football, it's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff on FS1 as they are in Seattle taking on UW. ASU plus 27.5, Washington minus 27.5, over-under sitting at 59.5. ASU themselves is coming off of a bye. UW, uh, the question here, do they have any lingering hangover from their big win against Oregon? This game is in Seattle, though. Uh, questions here, can ASU mount some offense here coming off of the by Cam Scadabo, 362 rushing yards, 245 receiving yards. Michael Penix Jr. also a front runner now for the Heisman in the odds. I don't quite understand this ASU. You know, well, let's start. Well, let me start with Washington. I, I don't quite understand this. They're not going to show up for this game. They lost here last year. Penix got the crap beat out of him here last year. Before the season started, now I didn't hear him say this, but I read quotes that he was this was the game he was really looking forward to this season so because they had a much hyped win last week and a big time performance then they're not gonna they don't care about this game anymore sorry uh, i'm not buying that asu on the other hand uh they don't have a run still longer than 17 yards this season and it's not like they play the best defenses in the planet i mean hell they couldn't even get a plus 17 yard run against colorado and you know anybody should be able to pull that off. They're going to have apparently some of their offensive linemen back this week. That's good after the bye last week. They got healthier, but were those guys any good before they were hurt? 
Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues on the other side of the break. We dive into the NFL action. Von Hansen's It's Not Your Normal Meat Market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. Talking NFL on the other side of the break here on KDOS AM 1060. Online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. Friday spread continues as we turn our attention to the NFL. Tons of teams on a bye this week. Hopefully, Six of them. Yeah, exactly. And zero next week. What's with that? I don't know. This schedule has been just wild and weird and uh i just hope that we get better competitive games this weekend that's what i'm hoping for well <laughs> yeah well fat i don't think that's going to happen for the rest of the season because there's what seven or eight really bad teams in this league right now and that's not going to get any better i don't think if well, teams are if games are bad in october they're not going to be better in december well, let's start with a game that has some promise of being good, and that's the Lions and the Ravens here. The Lions plus three, Ravens minus three, over-under sitting at 43-and-a-half on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I do have to wonder, will injuries catch up to the Lions? They are on the road now for a second straight week. No David Montgomery. Looking at their defense, though, the defense up front has been fantastic. Aiden Hutchinson is third in the league in pressures with 36 behind Max Crosby, who has 38, and Micah Parsons, with who has 37. The Ravens here, it seems like now for quite some time, they are a team that don't blow out other teams. Uh, they keep things very, very close. Since last season, the Ravens ranked second with seven turnovers in the second half when they lead by at least seven <laughs> points. So they find ways in the second half to also help the other teams get closer to them. Uh, we also have to ask ourselves, can the offense find itself in the end zone for the Ravens? Almost all those turnovers have been Lamar Jackson, who's been really, really bad in the fourth quarter throughout a large chunk of his career, now under multiple offensive coordinators. Speaking of that, Todd Munkin is under fire in Baltimore. I'm stunned. Just a little sarcasm there. I'm stunned that he's uh, – I, uh, I didn't understand the hire to begin with. Maybe they'll figure it out. I wouldn't be surprised if they never figure it out with him as their offensive coordinator. As far as Detroit goes – uh, Montgomery, as you mentioned, out. Um, what I think is maybe a little disturbing is that Jameer Gibbs, who they've done everything correctly, in my opinion, when he's been healthy, to make sure he doesn't carry a lot between the tackles and get beat up because that happened to him in his college career at two different places. Uh, he's going to get a ton of carries apparently this week, according to Dan Campbell. So good luck. 
This line has moved a little bit here. Uh, earlier in the week, it was Raiders minus three, Bears plus three. It's now sitting at two and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, over under sitting at 37 and a half. What do we know? Who's going to be quarterbacking the Raiders here? Uh, for the Bears, it's going to be rookie Tyson Bagent at quarterback here. So the question, which defense has the ability to overwhelm the quarterback? Well, Garoppolo is definitely out. I mean, they announced that yesterday. Uh, he's going to miss at least this game. It sounded like he's going to miss more than just this game. I think the big news for the Raiders this week is uh, I kind of took this as Devontae Adams is pleading and begging to be traded, uh, basically complaining about his role in the offense. And uh, just kind of some strange quotes, quite frankly, from Adams about how you know they're winning games and didn't seem to really matter to him because his numbers haven't been good. And, uh, you know, he was then getting targets when Garoppolo was the quarterback, let alone the, you know, Aiden O'Connell or, you know, who's the back? Oh, Hoyer, right? Right. And that's uh, the question. Who is it going to be, Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell? Whatever. It doesn't, I don't think it really matters. I mean, Aiden O'Connell was deer in the headlights when they faced the Chargers. And that's literally the only game the Chargers have had a pass rush this entire season. And a lot of that is because O'Connell had no idea of how to he wasn't ready to play in the nfl and he was out there obviously justin fields is out for quite a while it appears uh, even though they're not officially said that to my to my knowledge but when you go out and sign trace mcsorley that's the that is basically they signed him and yeah he was awful here he wasn't any good in baltimore he was good at penn state but uh, that's the last time i think he was any good anywhere uh so you know he's on their roster now and uh I think uh, if you go out and sign him, I think that tells you that Fields isn't going to play for a while. I think the thing to pay attention to, uh, to monitor, do the did the Bears actually put, place Fields on IR at some point here? Uh, then we have the Browns and the Colts. Browns minus three, Colts plus three, over-under sitting at 40 and a half. Gardner Minshew set to get another start. He's coming off of a four-turnover week, and he now is facing this Browns defense. Browns are pressuring quarterbacks at 43.4% of dropbacks. The Browns on offense here, uh, you know, you had Deshaun Watson practicing this week. Who's it going to be a quarterback here? Can the Colts defense uh, stop the Browns offense? Well, Watson was limited in practice. He basically just threw a few passes, apparently. Nobody really knows for sure because, obviously, practices are closed during the NFL and the regular season. So we'll see. Uh, I think we've certainly you know, seen enough of the alternatives at this point. So if you're taking – I know they won last week when Watson didn't play, uh, but if you want to give a shot with Cleveland, good, good for you. Uh, the biggest thing on the Colts side here is that Grover Stewart – who has been really, really good as a defensive lineman, outstanding against the run. He was suspended for six games this week uh, by the NFL, and uh, he's in a contract season too, so not exactly the best timing for him, but apparently if they suspended him for six games, they're pretty sure they were right about that, and uh, bad on him to mess up in his contract here. 
Uh, the Bills and the Patriots here. Uh, the Bills minus uh, eight and a half. Patriots plus eight and a half over under sitting at 40 and a half. Allen dealing with a shoulder injury, but he says he's fine. He's scrambling at a much lower rate this season. In 2022, 30.7%. 2023 here, it's dropped to 20.8%. The Patriots on offense just really can't move the ball. They're averaging 12 points per game, 199 passing yards per game, and 83.7 rushing yards per game. Is this finally the game, though, that the Patriots say, uh, we have got to try anything and everything and catch the Bills by some surprise plays? I think they did. The Malik Cunningham was out there for a while last week, right? So that, that's kind of you know desperation. Uh, so he was a nice college quarterback at Louisville, but I never watched one second of him in college and thought, my God, there's an NFL guy. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I would assume that uh, I'm not going to lay you know, big points or not my, not my nature, but if I were ever going to lay big points in a game, this would be it because I think the New England is one of those really bad teams that I mentioned. There's seven or eight of them, and the Patriots are in that bucket. We will continue this conversation with more around the NFL on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the weekend special, certified Angus beef choice strip steak at $24.99 a pound, prime pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound, and fresh natural Whole chickens at $1.99 a pound. Pay them a visit, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. That $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits still up for grabs. We'll get into more around the NFL on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app. Wrapping up hour number one on this Friday, October 20th, here on KDUS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Continuing Friday spread. Getting back to the NFL games here, and we travel to the NFC South. I have no idea what to do with these Falcons. Falcons plus two and a half, Bucks minus two and a half, over under sitting at 37 and a half. Uh, prior to last week, the question was, who is Baker Mayfield? I think we have an answer that against some mediocre defenses, he's excelling. Against some really good defensive fronts that can get pressure, He's struggling. The Falcons are good against the run and can get some pressure as well. But who is Desmond Ritter? Can he bounce back after a pretty uh, poor performance the week prior that is leaving questions about, is it time for Taylor Heineke? Uh, and so therefore here, you also have to find some creative ways to get Bijan Robinson involved. Well, the owner wants Ritter in there, so he's going to be in there apparently no matter what. You know, that was the fourth quarter last week that – was uh, as bad as any fourth quarter from a quarterback, I'm guessing, in many years, uh, whether it's eye test or metrics or anything. The thing I'm a little, con I'm not concerned, but curious about, uh, Bijan's getting less carries like every week, and Tyler Algier, who I actually like, 
uh, but you know, not more than Bijan. He's getting more carries. So what's going on with that? It's very confusing. I am highly confused about many things, and that's on the list. Um, we will continue more around the NFL. We have some more games to get into in hour number two. We also have the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. In addition to that, we make room for Brian Blewis of Pro Football Network around 11.15 to help us with our NFL props for the weekend. Well, I'm having a rough time with questions this week, too, because of the damn six teams on by. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll navigate our way through. Brian will be the, the savior, right? He'll save the day for us. So we'll yeah, get into that. Better. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point.